Hey, we continue on with the study of Titus. And uh, we're in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we see the emphasis of the church. A healthy church. The characteristics of a healthy church is what we see. And we know that the church's main function is to glorify God. Right? To enjoy Him forever. We are to glorify God. So individuals are to do that. We know that a church is to do that. And a church can do that by honoring the very Word of God. If you look in verse 5, it keeps emphasizing that right at the end of verse 5 it says, so that the Word of God will not be dishonored. And then in verse 8, sound and speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us. Sound and speech, that's uh, taking the very Word of God and being able to uh, to speak it as we live it out. And verse 10, not pilfering but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. The doctrine of God, the Word of God. It's all the teaching, the very Word of God Himself. So the Word is not to be dishonored. It's to silence the opponents by what we speak and to be made attractive as we wear this, as we adorn the very doctrine of God. So verse 10 closes out the qualities of the sound church as it speaks out the sound church. We are impressed upon us with the very gospel and that it should be made attractive in our lives, the way that we live it out. and the way that it's made attractive is that we're obedient to the instructions. And so we live those right out. And that's in our text today. Uh, how we live in the church and how we live at home will make a powerful effect on the world that is out there and where we're at. So that's what we want to do. We want to make an effect on not only each other, but also out there. So at the heart of it all is that God's Word be honored. God's Word is to be honored. Now, when we started out in verse 1, keeping it in the context, we'll see that there again, it starts out with sound doctrine. Right? But as for you, and he's speaking to uh, Titus, the elder, a leader of the, the church there, and he's to do that. So we get the instructions for the elder. Again, we've already seen some of those in chapter 1 in the very first verse. Then last week we looked at instructions for the older men and the older women. And so we looked at that. And today we are dealing with younger women and younger men. All the people of the church are affected in this text. We see that everybody is pulled into this and everybody in the church is to be able to take the Word of God and adorn it. So how we reach the world is related to how we live out this doctrine that we know. Now, um, as we talked about the qualities of the older men and the older women last week, we will look, uh, first of all, at the younger women. And we'll try to define what's an older woman and uh, and a younger uh, woman and older man and an older, younger men. (laughs) Get those flip-flops there. Um, this section that we're dealing with 
as I peered upon it, it's, it's just an automatic. You read it and you go, okay, yeah, I, I know that. And you guys will read this and you go, I know that. But I want to tell you that this section that we're dealing with, when you start out in verse 4 and, and verse 5, it goes so against the grain of the culture. I mean, the more you look at it, the more you realize that we are so different. We are to be so different than the world. We are not to let the world squeeze us into its mold, but we're to be molded by the very Word of God. right? And it molds us into the very purpose that He has. So as we diminish ourselves and we become more like Christ, we will become less like the world. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I have seen, I believe in my lifetime, I've seen a culture, and many of you here would agree in, in the whole time you've been here, you've seen where the feminists have attacked furious, furiously the very instructions of God's Word. They have attacked it. And I'll be giving some quotes later on. Um, the feminist, I don't even know if you even hear that word today. Don't hear it too much. We used to hear it back in the late 60s and then into the 70s. And boy, did we really hear it. And, and into the 80s a bit. Uh, but they definitely have um, had an agenda. Still have an agenda. But that agenda has been fulfilled in a lot of realms. And I think it uh, kind of wakes us up to see what has happened in our lifetime. The feminist, most women today that wouldn't even consider themselves to be feminist have bought into their ideas. And even in the church, the women in the church, even men, men outside the church, men in the church have bought this idea. And they would get very angry if they found out what was in this text. If they heard it read. The, uh, especially the feminists, just to read this would be highly offensive. And we'll be reading that in, in a moment. But it's a shame that this is a controversy. This is a given as far as I'm concerned. This is the way the body of Christ works. This is the way it works at home. This is the way it works in the church. But it's so controversial. And this is such a foundational issue for not only the moral and the spiritual health of uh, individuals and of the health of families and the church, but also for the very culture, our nation, the very culture that's around us. This is so foundational. And when these issues are spurned, so goes the nation. So it goes. And this is hitting right at the heart. And this is where the problem is at. This is a lot of it. If Once you start crunching out the foundation, and you keep hammering at it, and you keep hammering it, and chiseling, and then bombing it out, and you don't have much left, everything is going to fall. And uh, here is where we are at. Robert Rayburn wrote this. What we have here is this house table rules. It's not the ethics of some antiquated and outmoded social system. What we have here is the way of life of the society that will not only prosper and thrive in a sinful and unjust world, but will pass on that life, that happiness and fruit, uh, fruitfulness to its children. 
so effectively that they will bring a still greater measure of the wholeness of human life to the world they inhabit as adults. What we have here, Rayburn goes on, is not what people normally will do when left to themselves. Far from that. They will not naturally do this. But what we have here is what people ought to do, what the church ought to do, and what a society needs for them to do. Teaching of the world today for young women is to love whoever you want to love, no matter if you have a husband. Leave your children. Leave them. Leave them somewhere else and do what you want to do. Do whatever pleases you because yourself is what matters. Purity? That's not even a virtue. That's not considered a virtue to the world out there. What does the world say? The virtue is fulfill the lusts and show it. Make yourself out to be something by working outside the home instead of home. And by all means, do not be subject to your husband. Now, these are that's just some of the of verse four and five that we're reading there. Uh, that sounds rather controversial to the world, doesn't it? Wow. Well, let's uh, let's pick up our Bibles here, and uh, actually, I'm going to pick it up in verse three because you can say, oh, "I'm an older woman, and I don't have to pay attention to this today because it's dealing with the younger people." Well, the thing is. All of these, uh, a lot of these attributes will work for anybody as we go through, but uh, it's actually starting with the older women, so it's going to take in all women when we're in this three, four, and five. It'll take the older women because they are to teach the younger women. So it's something that the older women have to do, and the younger women are supposed to heed to. So let's look at this. Uh, We covered most of verse three, but we didn't do the very last phrase of it. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine. Here we go. Teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the Word of God will not be dishonored. We'll stop there for the moment. The older women are teach the younger women. And that's going to, that's going to cover all ages. Now, this is going to cover all women. And, and the guys are saying, oh, we can kind of duck out on this. <laughs> no, because you might be married. Or you may not be married, and you may be married later. So all instructions of God are always something that can apply to us and we need to stick them right here and show this is how it is to work. So this this is going to cover all of us. And uh, we covered the older men and the older women last week. But here we go. The older women are to teach the younger women. The idea of teaching here is not some kind of formal class or some kind of seminar that they have, uh, um, uh, writing a book or making CDs and handing those out, holding formal classes. It's not necessarily that. I mean, you can have that, or you could have a little Bible study, a book study, those kind of things. That's all a part of it. But what it's talking about is the very life that you live becomes a model, a pattern 
of the behavior of the goodness that others are going to follow. And older men are the same. We told about this last week that the older men are examples to the rest of the church. Uh, same way with uh, older women and, and uh, especially to the younger women. They can make an, uh, an impact. Now, I'm not telling probably much of anything new to you guys here today. And this is probably not going to be shocking to anybody because I'm sure you've read the Word many times, probably been over these texts, seen them, you've heard it, heard the teaching. So um, I don't think the people here are going to be too shocked. If it were to be much of anybody else, they might be. And so therefore I'd have to put a shield up here because who knows what might come at me. <laughs> but um, the older women are supposed to be such a pattern of goodness to uh, to everybody, but especially to the younger women. Um, older women, and, and I'll get into a little bit of what that age could be, what I think it probably is biblically. But when the children are grown, for instance, Let's let's take a, an older woman. The children are gone, uh, grown. They're gone. Uh, they've even maybe even reached their senior years, and it's not telling them to okay. It's time to go down to Florida and play some shuffleboard. <laughs> Everybody wants to retire, right, and not do anything. Well, now I think we've come to the point. That I don't think anybody is going to retire. <laughs> I don't. You know. I, when we say retire, we might retire from a particular job that we worked at for a long time, but God will never let us retire, retire, where we just go and just play 52 weeks a year. Now, it's good to have a little vacation and have some fun, right? It's good to do that. You need that. You know, that, that refreshes us. Fantastic. But God doesn't let us retire spiritually, and He will never, ever do that. Um, but the thing is, I think that's what we've all been led to believe. That's what our society teaches. As soon as I get at a certain age, boom, I can quit this job and I'll never have to work again. I can just sit back and take it easy. And I don't ever see that in God's Word. You'll never see that. You, you can look all over you want. Uh, I know that's disheartening now to some of you. <laughs> just travel around and don't do anything, right? Well, the thing is, is that everybody is responsible. And here's the responsibility. We're still on the uh, older men and older women, actually. They're responsible to become teachers of the next generation. So they just can't say, okay, I did my thing. Now kick back and let those guys do it. I can take it easy now. In the older years, they're so responsible to the next generation. And they do that by their example by mentoring, by discipling, just being a model, setting the example of godly living regards to marriage, family, the home. So godly role models are really important to the church, aren't they? And that's what we talked about last week. Now the age of the younger women and older women, where do you draw the line? Well, in 1 Timothy 5, it talks about widows, for instance. And widows were going to be taken care of by the church if they were godly ladies. They followed the Word of God. And they saw their lives as ministry. Their husbands are no longer with them. 
and they don't have any support financially. Well, in 1 Timothy 5, we see that the church then is to take care of them as the, uh, the widows, the, the older widows there, would then be able to serve in a, in a huge way in the church. The ones that were younger were to go ahead and get married again. Um, and that would be uh, fulfilling in that sense. They weren't to just draw the money from the church and just go from house to house during the day not having anything to do. So it gives you all those instructions. So I think a pretty good safe line is 60 years old. You're considered young, younger women, younger men at 60 and below, and a lot of you are going, I made it. All right. And others are saying, I never thought of myself as an older woman or an older man. (laughs) And this just kind of gives us a general sense. Uh, But that's kind of how Paul uh, showed himself as being an elder or an older man as he was over 60. And as he writes to Timothy and Titus, they're younger. But it's not that they're in their teens. It may not even be in their 20s. They could be as old as the 30s and even 40s. But um, that gives us an idea. And the thing is, is we all need instruction anyway, right? So when it says, younger women, now you need instruction, well, we all do. The context is for the younger women, but the Word of God here is at stake because we notice at the end of verse 5 it talks about it's about His honor. We don't want to dishonor His Word, so we pay attention to these things. And not only does it honor His Word, but it has far-reaching implications for the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God that's, that's even right here, right now. So if one loves Christ and His Word, they desire to be obedient to this. And that's what I see. I, I thank the Lord for this church and people um, desiring to follow His commands. But if one wants to follow the lead of the world, well, they might see some of these commands and see them as dated, as old-fashioned, out of touch. That doesn't speak to me or the rest of the world today, and this was for back then. And so what they do is they justify their disobedience. And, um, of course, that would dishonor God's Word. Sometimes the world has had so much influence on us, the church, the whole body of Christ, that we have been duped in so many areas. We don't even think about it. Because we've been blinded. We're, we're constantly having to die to things of self and remember that the flesh is an enemy. The world is an enemy. But a lot of those things we don't even see. And as we grow closer to the Lord by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we see there are certain elements that we just start dumping off. That's not important anymore. That's not important. We start seeing that uh, the Lord is, is the one who's most important. That's why we study God's Word and His instructions. And we do not want to be conformed to the world's patterns, right? And it does a lot of those things. Sometimes maybe we do things that we haven't been designed for and uh, we're now uh, being disobedient without even really thinking about it. Now it says here, the older women... As they teach what is good, that only makes sense, whatever's good, so that they may encourage the younger women. Encourage here is probably a, a very good word, but it could be tuned into, as far as accuracy is concerned, and the Greek there, to teach self control. 
to encourage, to have self-control, to be sober-minded might be a good one. Uh, to, to be steady. Um, to provide guidance. That's what the older women are be doing. Providing guidance so that they be steady, that they be strong. To encourage them to be godly. How about sensible? A lot of these words that we see that just keep kind of popping up here. But a godly role model is, is the idea that you be. Now, okay, take this in its context. Let's go back to Paul's time. He's writing to people on this island of Crete. And they come from a pagan customs world. That's what they did. They were pagans. That's what they were. Uh, they lived out a pagan uh, uh, lifestyle in a, in a pagan world, a pagan background, and now some of them come into the church. They're the church now. But they have this background. Man, if you have older women who have been through those things and they see the Word of God and they see what Titus is saying to them, then it's, it's really a good thing if, if the older women can be this great example to these younger women because they needed it. They didn't know, look what the background that they came from. There's a lot of things to change as you grow up as a Christian, isn't there? Is it constant? It always is. God, is, God seems like He's always demanding more. But it's never outside of the grace that He gives us. So the first thing He says is to love their husbands. Encourage the young women to love their husbands. Now, we have to remind ourselves that there is constant opposition to us. The fallen flesh wants to lord it over the husband. And likewise, the husband, how often does he want to lord it over his wife, right? Of course, you think of Ephesians 5. But uh, there's always a control matter. Now, the cross defeated that. But the thing is, we still can operate in the flesh sometimes, don't we? So the flesh wants to express itself. You heard that commercial lately on the TV. Express yourself. <laughs> you heard that song. Express yourself. Right? That's what the world is saying. Express yourself. Whatever it is, show you. Be independent of God's purpose. <laughs> That's multiplied by the enemy, the devil. Satan loves to take what's already a problem with our flesh and then just multiply it and just make it that much worse. And then the world, he loves to get Christians to disobey. Satan loves that, doesn't he? So he uses the word here, philandros, to love their husbands. Philandros in, in the Greek. And it means to be a one-man woman. A one-man woman. A woman who has one man that she is totally dedicated to. So the older women are to say, are to show them, you love your husbands. You have a total devotion to them. And if you look back, and of course you can't forget about Ephesians 5, so let's go there for a moment. In Ephesians 5, 25, we have a command there, husbands, love your wives. There's the instance of where the husband is to love the wife. Here in Titus, the wife is to love the husband. Just as Christ also loved the church, that defines the love, He gave Himself up for her, as it says there, a total self-sacrifice, 
so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present her, uh, present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. That's a self-sacrifice love. It's a deliberate effort. It's an action. It's something that makes up a mind that it wants to do that. Totally committed. Now that's not an automatic thing. Because there are a lot of times when we don't feel like doing that. But it, So it's not automatic. And what does the world tell the younger women to do? Find fulfillment in yourself. Be fulfilled. Have a new romance. Romance. If that's what makes you feel good about yourself, be self-esteemed. The Bible says, "Esteem others higher than yourself." A new career, alternate lifestyle. We're in, matter of fact, the women are encouraged today to have lesbian relationships. Encouraged to do that. You don't have to turn many channels to find that happen, even in commercials. That's certainly in our vote today, isn't it? That is where we are at. And here it says, love your husbands. Husband loving. And it doesn't mean grumbling. And it doesn't mean um, always disputing and talking bad about the husband. But it does mean thanking God for Him and realizing how to meet His needs. Granted, we're on the women here, but of course the men have even more responsibility. (laughs) Love requires knowing each other, realizing that God is the one who put you together. And it, it is for a purpose. And it reflects a very trying God. Loving each other is how we learn to love God. I want to tell you a little bit of the philosophy that's behind the movement that I think has already happened. Of course, you can go back to Gloria Steinem, and she's one of the instigators of all this. She was uh, the editor of Ms. Magazine. And she said uh, the agenda was to raise the children. And this was by 2000. 12 years ago. She says, I hope that we can raise our children to believe in human potential, not God. Human potential, not God. Radical feminist leader Sheila Cronin said this, since marriage constitutes slavery for women, (laughs) did you hear that? Marriage is slavery. It is clear that the women's movement must concentrate on attacking this institution. Freedom for women cannot be won without the abolition of marriage. End of quote. Getting a lot of marriages that are going to be multiple marriages. Different people, three, four, five group marriages. The Declaration of Feminism can go all the way back to 1971. 
They laid out their agenda. This is really their agenda. It said this, The end of the institution of marriage is necessary for the liberation of women. Therefore, it is important for us to encourage women to leave their husbands and not live individually with men. All of history must be rewritten in terms of oppression of women. We must go back to ancient female religions like witchcraft. Wow. That was one of their agendas. They've accomplished a lot of that. Annie Laura Gaylor said this, Let's forget about the mythical Jesus and look for encouragement. Remember our encouragement in God's Word? And inspiration from real women. Two thousand years of patriarchal rule under the shadow of the cross ought to be enough to turn women toward the feminist salvation of the world. Take the cross totally out of this that we've been under that kind of patriarchal rule. We need to get out of that. Dr. Mary Jo Bain said this. These are all leaders of this agenda. In order to raise children with equality, we must take them away from families and communally raise them. This is happening before our eyes. This was all stated like 30, 40 years ago. It has happened, is happening now. Margaret Sanger, anybody heard of her? Planned Parenthood. She's the one that started that. Said this, The most merciful thing a large family can do to one of its infant members... This is, this is the most merciful thing you can do if you have a large family. You know what she said? You may not even believe this. Kill it. We're talking about an infant who's living. Well, why not? Abortion is doing the same thing. Why not? Just go ahead and go with it. If if they make your family uncomfortable, kill them. Boy. Um, We have to know what's behind this feminist movement. This is Satan working in action. Big time. And we've seen our country folding deeply. and, And we're right at the heart of it in our text of how it's supposed to work. And you take that foundation out. We don't influence the culture like we should have. I think generations dropped the ball because the Word of God was not honored. And we turned to, like in the 1800s, we started turning to a man-centered gospel. And once you do that, then the people in the church no longer are under the authority of the Word of God and whatever they want to make to be God's Word is, and whatever they don't like, they just throw it out in their minds and that's it. Christians are falling under the spell of the feminist. Here's another one from the National Organization of Women. Sheila Cronin. The simple fact is every woman must be willing to be recognized as a lesbian to be fully feminine. So, we look in our Titus 2. Some of these things were probably happening there on the island of Crete. (laughs) I'm sure it was. And so, Paul says to Titus, 
First thing I want the older women to do is teach the younger women to love their husbands. Do you think that's really happening for the most part out in the world today? Well, it says next to be children loving. Love their husbands to love their children. And the word there is philotechnos. And it's not only dealing with um, to love them, but it also implies being, uh, having, uh, uh, to develop a friendship as they grow older. Being able to respond with them and be able to speak with them and talk with them and such. If you look in 1 Timothy 2.15, so some of these are, these are the things that the older women are to be showing the younger women. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. That means their ministry of raising children is the highest calling. The highest calling is to raise your children, to teach them the things of God, to show them who God is and what He's about, and it's an automatic. They're there with you all the time. And so you can't think of better evangelism than that. They have your ear. Sometimes you may wonder if they ever hear a thing that you've said. But I'll tell you what, you have that great opportunity that you can have nowhere else. And so what a ministry it is. Um, No better opportunity. Now if you go back to ancient times, this would have probably gone on in Crete. Women had babies. They didn't know what to do with them. They'd drop them off at the marketplace and run. Just leave them there. How convenient. Well, see, they didn't have the modern technology of abortion, but here you are, you're just leaving them there. And along came women of the church, especially widows, and the older women. And they would scoop them up and take them and then they would raise them up. And uh, that's quite remarkable in what they would do. Um, Now, and we know that God doesn't necessarily make all women mothers or even wives mothers. It's always God's plan and in His will. For the most part, He does. And... um, he has his own purpose. So we can thank God for single women and what they mean to the kingdom. We can thank God for married women. We can thank God for uh, mothers. God has given all of them freedom to serve Him in different ways. So children loving is not a natural thing today anymore. They've Many have abandoned that. And, and again, if you watch Channel 13 News, it seems like once a week... Somebody is on trial for killing their own child. You hear this so frequently. I never used to hear this uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And now it's a commonplace. How can that happen? Well, people get away from the Word of God. They do not honor it and look what they do. They do things that are not even natural to the, to the flesh. It's natural to love your own kids, isn't it? Astorge is a word for that that Paul wrote to Timothy about. Uh, 
storge means just having a natural fondness of your own family, a natural kind of love. Even the worst of people, you know, the thieves and, and murderers, they still have a, a usually have some kind of affection for the rest of their family. But is that true today? Next thing is is that they're, after they love their husbands and love their children, they're to be sensible. And the Greek word is fascinating because you keep seeing this pop up all throughout this passage in chapter two. So from so is dealing with sozo, which is salvation, um, or save, and phroneo is dealing with the brain, the mind, the thinking. And really it comes down to just common sense. A common sense kind of stuff. Be sensible. Uh, Having a rational control of the passions and all the impulses that come our way. Controlling that. So the older women are to teach that they're to be sensible or to control those impulses. They're to be taught how to think right. It's dealing with thinking. Thinking rightly. Because you're having all this other stuff from the background and all the other stuff that's coming from the world today and this and that and this and that. And they need some guidance on what is sensible. What's the next word? Pure. Hognosin. And if we look in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, there's Paul's letter, another pastoral letter. So when we are in Titus, a lot of times we can go back to 1 Timothy and see uh, some things that are similar. Um, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly, discreetly, not braided with hair, gold, cosmic garments, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Just being godly. You know, not overdoing it or underdoing it. Just saying, just you know, keeping things in a in a in a modest sense. I don't think we have any problem with that. But really, what it comes down to is a sexual purity, and that's really what Paul is coming with. You know, the there are. I think there has to be a warning. Be careful with a lot of the romance novels that are out there. Um, those television shows. Uh, you can think of the. Uh, what is it? The, all the different wives shows that they have in different cities. You know, look at what they do and how they argue, and and then you know you're dealing with the purity and impurity, and then you think of all the magazines, movies, music, internet. It just goes on and on, doesn't it? It's constantly being barraged, and he says, teach them to be pure. Our eyes can see things or hear things and it starts feeding the imagination. Imagination gets going and then we have supposed pleasures of romances that are really illicit. And so we can be tempted to sexual immorality and things that not necessarily have a relationship. Or there can be adulterous relationships and those happen even in the church today. We hear about those. Um... And usually the reason there are those kind of relationships going on is because there have been needs that have not been met, and it might be by the husband or whatever. But the thing is, those needs are not going to satisfy that are trying to be met by the young woman. So all the fantasies, the ambitions, they're to be wrapped up in the context of marriage. 
all anything, any ambitions that uh, go outside, make sure that it is uh, according to God's word and uh, held in as far as the family is concerned. Then the next one is workers at home. And my goodness, what kind of controversy could could this cause? Uh, and we, you know, we always have to use reasonable interpretations. Oikurgos, and we don't want to take it in a literal sense, oikurgos, oikos is dealing with house, home, uh, ergos, uh, dealing with work. So what does it mean? Well, literally it means to be workers at home. Uh, I think um, Alistair Begg said keepers at home, workers at home. Your version might even say keepers at home. And what that is, it's the sphere of a woman's life Revolves around. That doesn't mean that she has to be at home 24 hours a day. You know, we, we use common sense here. And we have to remember, like in the lady in Proverbs 31, there is a lady who was a worker at home, but she also did other things that were outside the home using wisdom in that and where she's at. But her sphere, her main sphere, where she works out of, her main place, everything starts with the basis of the home. Now, I referred to Alistair Begg, and he used a word I thought was really good in this phrase, workers at home. We find here a minefield. This minefield is ready to explode. My. An ordinary evangelical church. If I just said what I just read, I am fearful for my life. I would want to go out the back door today and get out of here as quick as I could. Because this causes all sorts of problems. But like I say, it still uses a lot of wisdom. First of all, it starts with, is this really outdated? And is this sexist, right? Is this old-fashioned? Or is it God's design? Well, I put forth it's God's design. I don't think you'll ever see a woman get to the end of her life. Near the end of her life, she says, you know what? I've had such a satisfying life by being a corporate executive. (laughs) Have you ever heard anybody say that? They'll say, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. And I didn't do it. You'll hear something like that. Or I didn't invest enough time into my family. I was so busy doing other things. And so, what we really want is to see that the family is walking with God. As a worker at home, to see that the family is loving one another. And that there's really true satisfaction and true joy in that the family knows God and seeks after Him. That is the most important thing that you can say that God used you for. Right? And so many um, didn't get a chance to do that. But what he's saying, you have to make your home beautiful and pleasant for the family. And the reason I say there's wisdom here, first of all, what about a, a single lady, for instance? What does she do? Well, she's probably not going to have any other option. And in our society today, you have to pay the bills or let the government take care of you. Ideally, the church should be able to take care if the family doesn't. It starts with the family. That's what it says in Timothy. You know, they care for their own. But 
you know, what, what about that? Well, they have to take care of themselves. What if they have children? Well, they're still going to have to do that. They're going to have to let somebody else raise them for the day. Unfortunately, that's the way it works. That's not God's design. But in the position where we're at, sometimes there is no out with that. How about if your kids are grown up? Can you work? Um, I don't see why not. It, the, you know, maybe there are things that God can use you wherever you're going to um, take your job and your efforts. So, and, and it might be that hey, that that helps the family out. Matter of fact, or or, or the two of you, husband and wife, or just the, the single woman. A lot of those issues, I, I think, are just common sense. You know, um, uh, are we saying that women can't work out at all? No, we're, we're not really saying that. But let's say if you have children and young children, you just have a baby, you have an infant, you have children that are growing up. What well, what do you do there? Well, I think the older women says to work at home because their ministry is to raise those children and to be there, to be there with them, and not just dump them off. In some place, you know, we have places today where you just dump off the kids and leave, and because, um, matter of fact, I hear sometimes they do that and they don't even work. They just leave them off because they can't stand the kids. How often do I hear anymore where uh, women are saying, I don't like kids, and I hate my kids, I don't even want them. And so therefore, that's the reason I'm not even around. And they go off and then at the end of the day, if they do work, then they go somewhere else to spend at night. They go to the bar or whatever. And the kids are still being babysit by somebody. And, and, and the thing is, that's not loving the kids. It's not being workers at home. So that's the sense that we're talking about. I think it's raising those kids up. And if, you, if there's a husband there to work that out, that's the way it is meant to be. The world has shaped our thinking into something else. And what has happened is to be able to meet certain things as far as financial needs, sometimes there is no other choice and it has to be done. Well, it's not necessarily God's design, but you can say, okay, here's what I have to do now until something can be worked out. There again, it's, it's, it's going to have to be wisdom. And um, my, it's, it, it's difficult. Um, Going back to the agendas of the feminist, here is uh, Vivian Gornick. Being a housewife is an illegitimate profession. You remember Hillary Clinton talking about baking cookies? You know what she was saying? To be a, a homemaker, to work at home, she was making much light of them. Of course, she falls right into this. That was of the first lady. The choice to serve and be protected and planned toward being a family maker, that's a choice that really uh, is what it's about, being that, that family maker. Um, this lady says, the heart of radical feminism is to change that idea of her being at home and being the family maker and protecting and serving. That's the agenda. In Proverbs 7.11, there it's talking about a prostitute. Don't get me wrong here, but what, what it is there, it says, she is boisterous and rebellious. Here's the last phrase. Her feet 
do not remain at home. Now, what that's saying in the context is that she wasn't content at home whenever there was a time that could be could be staying at home at least for a particular time, but always being leaving out, leaving that domain and not being content with it and trying to find and explore other options, right? And that's that's the idea. Um, people today say, "Oh, a woman must work." Because she has to work to fulfill herself. Talking about a lady who's raising her kids six years old, three years old, one, ten, twelve, those kind of things where they're you know, they're you know, they finally get to a point where there's not a lot to raise them with anymore as much as what there was and there's where wisdom is, but um, they continue to say she needs to express herself. The best place she can express herself is with the Lord is designed. Boy, Satan loves to get into the church and suck in all this feminist lesbian agenda. That's what's out there. What about the skills? What about abilities? What about training, upbringing that a woman has been gifted with and she has? Well, God is going to make see that that she can use those. That 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 can be a good thing. She's 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 designed with that. But the main thing is to be able to you know to raise the kids. What do you do when they're all raised? Or what do you do with that? Well, God can use those skills and abilities that you ha- maybe haven't been able to use so much at home and be able to use elsewhere or whatever or the same one. But there's a challenge out there also from the culture. It's quite a challenge. And being in the church, being in the Word of God, we are considered to be radical. This is radical stuff. Say, Dennis, don't you think you're reading into this a little bit more? Uh, Well, our cages can be rattled. I don't think your guys are rattled here, but, you know, sometimes the world says you need a bigger and a better house. You need another. You need a third and fourth and fifth car. You need to have new cars. You need to have. You need to have two, three, four cars' garages, and you need to keep getting bigger and better and better. You need to get nicer things. So we have to keep working to get those nicer things. It's not covering just the basic things. We're talking about nicer. Oh, the kids have to go to college. That's the thing of the day. We have to save up for all of our lives so I won't be able to raise my kids here. I'll see them on weekends, but I've got to go out and work so whenever they get out of the house so that they'll have an education and be taught all the things of the world and be taught evolution and they can change your mind that God doesn't exist and we can pay $100,000 for all that and I'm going to work all my life so they can go out and get that education. <laughs> By the way, there are a lot of alternatives, especially today, to get that college education if it's that valuable. I think it's higher rated than what it really is, folks. And a lot of people, kids now are graduating from college with uh, degrees and they're living at home because there's no place to work. They got all this junk put into their minds and it really didn't. Now, there is, don't get me wrong, education can be very valuable. Uh, what's the purpose? One who is geared on that. I, I would say there's probably a big percentage of kids going there because they didn't know what else to do and that's what they're supposed to do. And uh, it's a cool thing to do because we can go party for four years and get away from mom and dad. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a lot of it is. But parents...
spend their whole lives both working so that the kids will get an education in college. I think that's all backwards. They're supposed to educate their children at home. Deuteronomy 6 says, I'm challenging everything out in the world. And I know this sounds backwards, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just repeating what, what the Word of God here says. And I'm going, man, wouldn't it be something? You know, a lot of this started changing in the 40s and 50s. You know, the World War II. And women were put out in the workforce because we needed the women to do that, to, to do those jobs. But did you know now that two-thirds of the millions of new jobs that are out there are what women have taken? Male unemployment is incredible. And I can identify with it. I, I can sit here and smile, but I can tell you... My battle against women, I don't have a chance to do any kind of office work. And at my age, I don't have the maybe all the physical abilities that I once had. I'm willing to do that, but uh, I need to do something that's maybe a little less physical. And that's what I look for. And, and do you think going up against 20 other women for one job that I have a chance? No way. No way. I might be as much as qualified as many. Then others maybe not. I'm not blaming that, but I'm just saying two-thirds of the jobs that are taken. Megatrend says that 56% of mothers with children under six work outside the home. That's well over half work outside the home whenever they've got children that are preschool. 73% of mothers with children from 6 to 16 are working. Wow. That says a lot. Who's at home raising the children? Who's at home? Wow. The responsibility. And there, here's where it goes to the husband. And if you're not a husband yet, maybe you will one of these days. And the responsibility goes back to him. Because if he's doing his leadership in the home, then God will work that out. And like I say, there again, there's always you know, room here where God can uh, still bless those situations. There are things that we've gotten into today in our economy that it, you know, with inflation and with things getting as high as they are, sometimes both people have to work and, and they might... They might have kids, might not have kids. Maybe they've gone past that or right there. Right? It has to be done sometimes and you have to have to be able to, to pay, uh, pay the bills. But there's an exponential number of extramarital affairs that have caused this. If you compare it with women who stayed at home versus women who have worked under and where men are at, the, the boss... Going off with the secretary, you know, it's always the old adage, uh, my, how often does that happen? I would hate to find out. I would hate to go into the state work and find out what the statistics are on that. Who knows? Exposure, temptation, not being subject to their own husbands now because they're subject to somebody else and their whole environment is dominated and now there's sexual harassment or a sexual abusing. That, that happens in those kind of situations. The uh, sexual involvement uh, definitely comes into play. And so a woman needs the protection that a home is given. And so we close out with that verse 5, so that the Word of God 
Oh, being subject to their husbands and kind. I didn't cover those. Kind means to be good, to have sympathy, kind words, to say when are needed, right? And then being subject to husbands. And man, this is out of sync with the culture. It's out of sync as possibly could be. It comes down to either it's God's way or it's the world's way. The world's way asserts itself, doesn't it? Stand up for your rights, women. Right? Men, stand up for your rights too. You know, let's have a battle. Philippians two three says that we are to esteem others and not about ourselves. Subjection puts ourselves in rank underneath another one. And it's a picture of the Trinity because that's what the second person of the Trinity does to the Father and the third person, the Holy Spirit. They're all in subjection in a perfect way. And that's what we can practice and show. And so it says, so that the Word of God not be dishonored. A wife who practices these things stands out from the world. She brings honor to the Gospel. And so, we don't want to blaspheme the Word, and that's what it's talking about. So it be not dishonored or blasphemed. Boy, that's quite radical there, isn't it? You know what? I don't get into the young men today because we are well past the time. And I kind of had it designed to do that. You'll see on one outline I had it, and then another one I didn't. And because I knew I had too much material when I arrived at it there. And so, women, I am thankful for you. Not picking on anybody. Matter of fact, I'm thankful for people who are committed to God's Word. Women who are committed. Uh, we're in a society that um, makes it a little bit harder. And, and uh, how to draw that line and how to do it. We use sensibleness. And we use God's Word and where we know uh, where it has to be applied, we do. And in other senses, we can say, now I can take this out and I can be a witness for God wherever I am. Granted that it's agreed on in the family that it can be done in, 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 that, in that way. But the, those, the younger age kids, I, um, I have no doubt that they need, they need their mom, they need their dad, they need both. And uh, that's very rare today. And when you see it, and, and when you see the homeschooling, and many uh, of us have been committed to that, I commend you. If it was public school, okay, well, the Lord can bless that too, and He does. Uh, I don't say one has to be a, a, another way, but it is a commitment. And it, uh, it's hard. It's a hard thing putting in a lot of time, but I'm thankful for that because it pays off. It certainly pays off in, in being committed. Is what I'm saying. Let's pray. Thank you guys for your attention.